morning, all you entrepreneurs and small business people. You are listening to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. I'm Doris Nagel, your host for the next hour. The show has two goals, to share helpful information and resources. I have made so many mistakes as an entrepreneur over the years. I have seen clients and friends make lots of mistakes. And so if I can help just one of you out there not make some of those mistakes, then I've been successful. The second goal of the show is to inspire. I found at least that being an entrepreneur is confusing, often lonely. Sometimes you have no idea if you're on the right track or not, or where to turn for good advice. So every week on the show, I have guests who are willing to share their stories and their advice. And this week's guest joining me by phone is Natalie Schmulek. She is the Chief Incubation and Strategy Officer for an organization called The Hatchery, but also something called ICNC, which she's going to talk about. So The Hatchery is a, an incubator in Chicago that focuses on food and beverage and we're going to hear the story of how the hatchery got started, what it offers for clients, and some things to think about for people who might be interested in becoming a part of the hatchery. So with that introduction, Natalie, welcome to the Savvy Entrepreneur Show. Thanks so much for being with me today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to dive into some fun topics with you. Well, me too. And I think, you know, especially because I have had several guests on the show, as we were talking about before we, uh, before the show started, who have been a part of the hatchery and each of them have raved about it. So, you know, we'll get into that, but first let's start with when and why was the hatchery founded? Yeah, the hatchery was really developed out of a true need that we saw within our community. ICNC that you mentioned stands for Industrial Council of Near West Chicago. They're one of the oldest and largest business incubators in the country. They oversee two incubators. One is Make City, which is an industry agnostic incubator. That facility is 416,000 square feet. So very oh large. And this is no yeah. small thing. Wow. It is not. Yeah. They house 110 companies all of which are in light manufacturing. So some very impressive brands have come out of there. Farmer's Fridge houses their offices there. There's four major coffee roasters, Reinhold Distilleries there, incredible hair care, beauty, personal wellness, all kinds of great brands. And so ICNC realized over the last several years that there was a need for food and beverage production space because more and more food and beverage entrepreneurs were coming to them. Unfortunately, the building is not ideal for food and beverage production. It is an old plumbing foundry, so it could be very costly to build out a food grade space there. So what they would notice is entrepreneurs would come to that space. They would either invest a significant amount of dollars into building a food grade space and what is meant to be a temporary space, or they would walk away knowing that it's just a little too much capital. And that's unfortunate because that's one less entrepreneur we're able to support. So ICNC partnered with Allies for Community Business, previously known as Axion. They are a nonprofit micro lender, and they specifically provide those small business loans to those entrepreneurs entrepreneurs who were coming in needing to invest in building out their food grade space or 
investing in equipment, whatever it might be. And Allies is such a great organization because they really focus in on entrepreneurs who need the capital, who need their help. So very much honing in on food and beverage entrepreneurs, BIPOC and women-owned businesses, and not looking at credit scores, but ultimately the entrepreneurs themselves and the viability of their business to provide that capital. So six years ago, we launched as a virtual incubator, and the intention was to better understand the needs of food and beverage entrepreneurs. We did feasibility studies. We spoke to entrepreneurs directly. We started launching programming and getting feedback, and all of that helped truly pay Pave the way for what the hatchery is today. Three years ago, we opened our 67,000 square foot facility on the west side of Chicago in East Garfield Park. That was very intentional. We wanted to be in a community that we felt we could truly support and be a part of. And a lot of times commercial kitchens or shared kitchens, they tend to be in highly uh, densely populated areas and so those services are inaccessible to other neighborhoods. And we saw so many entrepreneurs on the West side with innovative concepts, but not having the resources to really be able to launch and grow their businesses. So we wanted to be here in East Garfield Park. It is a traditionally underinvested neighborhood, some of the highest unemployment rates. And with a combination of the support we provide to the entrepreneurs, as well as a workforce development team who supports job seekers, we saw it as truly a natural fit. So we are now housed here at Lake and Kedzie in East Garfield Park. On site, we have a large shared kitchen where entrepreneurs get their start. We also provide additional support to Westside residents. So we offer 34 hours of free shared kitchen use time per week to Westside residents, in addition to free membership and free access to our programming. That eliminates some of the barriers that often get in the way of entrepreneurs getting their start. So we really wanted to provide that opportunity. That, that, that's, a, that's pretty neat because what you've also done is get the community involved. You're not just yeah. a facility that sits there that they walk by and go, huh, I wonder what happens there. there mm -hmm. It's part of the community. Exactly. And that's something we constantly have to work on because there are still people who will walk by our facility and go, wow, that's a big space. What happens in there? Um, so it's amazing the, the number of Lyft and Uber drivers who I've talked to. And when you're sitting in those cars and they're saying, I have a food business or I have a cousin who has a food business. And we love those kinds of interactions. And that's a big goal of ours is really to immerse ourselves in the community, to learn from the community and to be able to provide those services here. So we do have a big plaza out front in the hatchery where we host the Garfield Park Community Council's neighborhood market. And that's a really nice way for us to get the information out there to the community as well. Well, it is. And, you know, it's interesting. I'm um, a SCORE mentor, or at least I was until recently. And there's been a number of food and beverage clients or clients who are interested in starting a business there. But I'm embarrassed to say I'm not sure that all of the SCORE mentors even know that the hatchery exists to refer clients there, you know, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, there's always more we could be doing to spread the word. And hopefully all the listeners today can check out our website, tell their friends, tell individuals who want to give back. We certainly want to expand our platform and our reach. 
our focus is very much on Chicagoland food and beverage entrepreneurs. So every now and then we do get requests to franchise or open a satellite location out of state. And that's not quite our goal. We're always here to help others who want to launch similar concepts, but we are very, very focused on the Chicagoland market because there's so much talent here and there's so much opportunity, but there's always more that can be done to help spread the word and let people know we're here. Yeah, for sure. Well, so Chicago has always seemed to me kind of a food and beverage hub. Is that accurate to think? And if so, why? Yeah, I would say it's very accurate. I think that's been a big topic of conversation for a lot of recent events, including the Chicago Venture Summit. I think being in middle America has always played a big role, certainly from a distribution standpoint. Then you have all of these major consumer packaged goods brands who are headquartered here in Chicago and in close proximity, which is really interesting. So there's this sense of collaboration and connection making and having the resources all nearby. And there's so many success stories that have come out of Chicago for the last several years and seeing some iconic brands that have come out of uh, Chicago, and then also seeing some of the the more recent ones who've had great success. I think it's just very inspiring. Um, There's also that Midwest feel where people want to help each other. So I agree. I think that's very much the case with Chicago. So where did the funding come initially to start the hatchery? So the project was uh, funded firstly, partly by the city. So in terms of land acquisition and being able to get access to the land that we're currently on, uh, one third actually came from foundations, from corporate partners. We have some incredible corporate sponsors and foundations who believed in us from the very beginning before there was ever a facility. And it was just a dream that we would tell people. And it seemed to resonate with quite a few individuals and companies. And we were able to get some funding to help cover the costs for the build out. And then one third is actually debt that the joint venture took on. So ICMC and Allies for Community Business believe in the mission so much that they took out a loan themselves in order to be able to build out the hatchery and build out the services that we now provide. Wow, that's fantastic. So you started to talk about some of the services and support that you offer. Um, talk a little bit more about that and also the, the business model that you use to continue to bring in revenue but, and, and provide those services. So in our facility, the primary goal of ours is really to provide access to affordable production space, access to financing, and access to resources. But over all of that is a supportive community and ecosystem, which we strongly believe in because I think you mentioned right at the beginning, which resonates with me, is being an entrepreneur can be very isolating, can be very lonely. There's a lot of uncertainty. And having others, having peers in the space who are going through the same thing or have overcome some of these challenges is extremely beneficial just in terms of building morale, being able to move forward, to have the confidence, to be inspired, to hang on to the passion that you have and understanding why you're in this, um, because it is not an easy space to be in, and it's certainly not an easy industry. So we provide that production space. We provide at or below market rate production space. Of course, we spend a lot of time interviewing the entrepreneurs we work with before they come on site, just to make sure that they are ready as well, that they understand 
what's expected of them, how to make sure that they can fit into the community very well. Um, so we have our shared kitchen and our 54 private kitchens, but we also have co-working and event space and our full curriculum. So we typically start with our starting a food business class, which we run monthly. That's open to everybody. So anybody who's either interested and not sure what it is they want to do, but they just want to learn more about starting a food or beverage business or somebody who's just launched or about to launch. That's a great class. And that's something we do monthly. And then we have our Sprout program, which is a pretty unique program. It's a six month accelerator for startups, we like to call it. And why we launched it is because we initially found that for many entrepreneurs, they were waiting until their concept was perfect to launch. So oh, oh, yes. you, use, you know what that's like. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so we use lean startup methodology, which is very important because uh, we, you know, oftentimes entrepreneurs are perfectionists. And unfortunately, the reality is you can spend years and years perfecting a concept. And then when you launch to market, somebody says, ah, you know, this isn't quite my taste or I'd like it a little bit more this way. Then you have to redo all your packaging all of your formulation and you basically have to start from scratch so we try to prevent that from happening and the way we do it is with this sprout program so entrepreneurs get all of the information they need to legally produce and sell so that comes everything from insurance from registering your business entity working with department of health getting all of your food handlers completed and then it goes through branding customer analysis, market sizing, getting into the shared kitchen and starting your production. And at the end of the six months, you have to launch to market in order to graduate. So it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be, you know, the I's don't need to be dotted. The T's don't necessarily need to be crossed, but you have to get your concept to market. And we do it with a final graduation where we have members of our team, partners, investors who all sit down at the table, they try the product, they hear a pitch from the entrepreneur, and then they provide feedback. So immediately these entrepreneurs get real world feedback and then they can determine themselves at the end of the six months. Yes, I'm excited to move forward or you know what, this isn't for me, which is equally a success because the last thing we wanna do is force somebody into building out a business concept that isn't viable and then investing all of their time and energy and money into that. So we see both options as a huge success. And from there, we're able to continue supporting the entrepreneurs who want to move forward. And for those who don't, we can help look at other career opportunities, working with an existing brand or seeking something else. So it's it's a great opportunity to provide that kind of support. Well, so do do people that participate or are, are part of the Hatchman community, do they just rent either the shared kitchen by the hour or one of the private kitchens, or is there a separate charge to belong to the six month incubator program? How does that work? Yeah. So there's different prices depending on the entrepreneur and their background. So we ultimately seek to create more diversity, equity, and inclusion in the industry. So for Westside residents, they have access to free hours within the shared kitchen. The resources are free. If they move into a private kitchen, we work closely with them to have a scaling system. Um, for other entrepreneurs, again, we work to provide below market rates. So there is a fee. There's hourly rates in the kitchen, depending on whether it's packaging or if it's intensive production, there's different hourly rates. It starts at $10 an hour and it can go up to $50 an hour. There's no minimum. So entrepreneurs can really just 
just use the time that they need. And then when they move into a private kitchen, depending if it's a standard or a large kitchen, then they're signing a year lease. And then again, we work closely with them to make sure that we understand their financial projections, that this is something that they're ready for. Uh, We typically will have to take a close look to make sure that they can afford the kitchen space because the last thing we want to do is is have an entrepreneur go into debt. So we typically have them stay in the shared kitchen until they're truly ready and they have the right revenue streams to be able to then grow their business in a private kitchen. Um, And then we have some corporate partners who are on site too. We have some ideation from Ingredion, from Griffith Foods, from Kellogg's, from Synergy Flavors. And what they all do is they provide additional support and services to our members. So it's often, as as you and others know, very difficult to find food scientists to find those kinds of ingredient. Oh, even people who who know about packaging. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's a whole world unto itself. Oh, yeah. You can really get into the weeds once you start down one direction. It, It just keeps going and going. Um, So it's amazing to have that kind of expertise and those resources on site. Um, Nelson from Ingredion has this kind of open door policy. So entrepreneurs will knock on his door and say, hey, I'm really trying to extend the shelf life on this product, or I want to reduce the sugar here. And he will sit with them and he'll work through the process and try to find solutions for them. Wow. Very cool. Well, most of the the past or present participants in the hatchery the thing they've all commented on is the camaraderie, the sense yeah. of community, the, you know, they, they've referred me to each other as guests and, you know, they're like, oh, you need to talk to so-and-so and so-and-so they do this and that. And they, it's just, you know, they'd be great guests. And you can just tell that there's a sense of community. What's your secret for, for fostering that sense of community. Cause it's, it's, it's a little unlike anything I've experienced with other incubator and accelerator participants. Well, first of all, I love to hear that our members are really just vouching for each other and advocating for one another. We would be nothing without our, our members and we're inspired by the entrepreneurs we get to work with every day. But that is so important to who we are, is that community, is that ecosystem, it's that camaraderie that you mentioned. We take a very holistic approach to supporting entrepreneurs, so we can provide all the technical resources in the world, and it will not dictate whether or not an entrepreneur will be successful. We really want to showcase the personal traits, the soft skills, as people would call it as well, leadership skills. We want to make sure that entrepreneurs are setting themselves up for success and understanding what they're taking on. And so sometimes that means understanding how to take care of yourself as an entrepreneur, understanding how to leverage resources by working and partnering with others, um, understanding how to build strong company culture and a strong team. So we do spend a lot of time trying to connect our members to one another because we probably learn more from them than they learn from us. And that's something that we want to share with the whole community here is that we, we can't be the keeper of all of the resources and information. There's so much talent. There's so much know-how here. And so we do our best to make sure that the entrepreneurs are connected 
We have monthly town halls where every entrepreneur that works out of the hatchery connects and they get to hear updates, they get to hear success stories, they get to exchange resources. Somebody might say, I worked with this great broker or I didn't have a great experience at this place. And they get to hear from one another. And to your point earlier, they get to avoid some of the mistakes that others have already made. And that's where the real benefit of having this facility and having this community comes in is because we do take the time to make sure that the entrepreneurs are engaged because nobody benefits if they hide behind a door and, and they're just producing their product. But everybody benefits with information sharing and just having knowing that you have a supportive individual that you can talk to whenever you need to. Well, it was clear to me at, in listening to people talk about the hatchery and about their fellow company participants that they they look to each other for a source of inspiration and encouragement and um, just, you know, helping helping them through tough times and giving them ideas to keep them going. It, it's clear that that's a very valuable aspect of the hatchery to a lot of companies who belong there. Yeah, that's exactly what we hope for. There's nobody better to listen to than someone who's been there and who's done it. So it's it's so nice to know there are individuals out there who are going through the same thing or have gone through the same thing. And it's much easier to take advice from them. And, and a lot of times we've seen there's a lot of programs out there that are being presented by individuals who maybe don't understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur. You yourself, you know, you bring such a unique perspective because you understand the world of entrepreneurship. I myself uh, am an entrepreneur and I've owned my own restaurant and I know exactly how difficult it can be. And sometimes you're speaking a different language. So to know there's a whole community of individuals who speak the same language is hugely valuable. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Well, you mentioned that you often chat with the potential entrepreneurs before they join the hatchery community. What kind of companies are you looking for to join the hatchery? And put maybe a different way, what what kind of traits make companies most likely to be successful there? So we are currently focusing our efforts a lot on consumer packaged goods. We do have a lot of catering businesses, meal delivery, food trucks. We don't specialize as much in food service and, and specifically the restaurant world. There's amazing resources out there. We're really trying to bring in even more West Side residents. We want to make sure that whoever can benefit from our, our resources here does and Right now, we're trying to get into the community more, letting people know we exist, letting people know there's services available to them, and mostly, again, focusing very much on consumer packaged goods. We actually do have a kitchen pitch contest going on now through the end of this month um, in partnership with Midwest Dairy. So for entrepreneurs who have innovative concepts using dairy, they have an opportunity to apply and can win six months of free private kitchen space, which is a huge opportunity. Awesome. Wow. So yeah, we definitely encourage people to check it out, apply. Um, it's open through the end of June and then we will be selecting the finalist and then there will be a pitch session for the, the top five. And that's going to be an exciting feature. And we do that every year. We usually have a kitchen pitch contest every year to open up the opportunity to someone with a really unique, innovative concept. 
Um, but yeah, we're really targeting consumer packaged goods brands. In terms of entrepreneurial traits, there are a few. We, we look for individuals who are very collaborative. We understand that everyone has an idea that they want to keep close to their chest, but the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you I'm know, sorry, I, I shouldn't <laughs> laugh, but I do because, because I think, um, it, you know, it's, it's, um, I think those issues are less, less of, I personally believe, and, and I'm a lawyer by training. So I, I personally believe those issues are way less of a concern than, uh, than a lot of other things that entrepreneurs yes. need to worry about. But yeah, anyway. you're right. But it's still somehow, you know, it shows up and, and I'm sure as you've seen too, a lot of times, Right from the beginning, everybody wants to throw NDAs out there, and that just oh, doesn't no. usually work very, very well. Um, and and investors will say that, and any any individual that wants to help, I mean, if you're not going to share information, and everybody needs to go through paperwork, you're not going to get much help there. So we certainly look for that openness. You don't have to reveal all your trade secrets, but that's why we spend more time talking about the importance of branding and how to create a unique brand, how to differentiate yourself in the market, how to protect yourself that way. So that's one of the first things is really this, uh, this intention of being able to collaborate, being interested in collaboration, being interested in learning, and then a true commitment because there are a lot of times, and we understand entrepreneurs will come to us when they're in the very early stages and they still have a full-time job and they have to be able to live. And that's completely understandable, but we do look for that commitment. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we want to make sure that you're really investing time into testing out the business and being receptive to feedback and, and understanding that there will be changes. The brand will evolve over time. And sometimes you also have to know when to walk away. And that's something we're spending more time on is learning and understanding how to effectively review the business and know when to walk away. And we've been interviewing a lot of entrepreneurs who did close their, their businesses. And the number one piece of feedback I hear from all of them is they, they all wish they did it sooner. And that's understandable. Wow. Yeah, they all wish. And, and it's difficult. It's like your child and you have to now put it away and you invested so much time and energy, but that's not a failure. That's so much learning. That's great success. And knowing when to step away from it uh, is really, really important, especially these days, because it's not easy. Well, it's interesting you say that. Um, what you know, One of the biggest and most challenging questions that I have faced, I think, as an entrepreneur is whether it's time to pivot or whether it's time to just throw in the towel or mm -hmm. whether it's mm -hmm. time to just wait just a little longer because there's these stories, right? People are down to their last box of mac and cheese and lo and behold, <laughs> the big client walks through the door, the, the transformative event happens and it just was a testament to holding on a little while longer. And then, then there's pivoting because, and you read a lot about pivoting. It's important to pivot. Well, you know, that you can debate, I guess, about what pivoting really is and when pivoting is important. But then there's times where, you know, my old neighbor who lived kitty corner from me, he mortgaged his house. He mortgaged everything. He lost his house. I mean, he he was waiting for his ship to come in and it never came in. And it's pretty clear 
he should have let go a lot sooner and either pivoted or just exited. I think it's really tough when you're in the middle of things to really have the clarity to know which is right. It's true. It's very difficult. I don't think anyone has a clear answer. I think the most important thing for every entrepreneur is to check in with yourself. If you feel that you are now sacrificing more than you should, your mental health, your well-being, um, house, <laughs> your house, yeah, yeah. Um, that might be a good time to step away. And and again, if you step away from a project or a business, it doesn't mean you can't come back to it. You know, if that maybe it's just the time wasn't right. And we've heard many stories about people being ahead of the time, and they thought, you know, if they just launched four years later, it would have been yeah. the top trend. But it's hard to know. And I think the only way to truly evaluate whether or not to pivot, to close up shop or to hold on a little longer is really checking in with yourself as an entrepreneur and trusting your gut as much as possible, Um, because it's rare that anybody will fully regret it. I don't think anybody's ever pivoted, waited, you know, waiting might be a little bit tricky because then you're kind of waiting forever at times. And sometimes it's, it's a matter of luck, but I do think if you really start to feel that passion fading, if you don't have that flame anymore, and now it's just suffering, that's when it's probably a good time to walk away. Yeah. Great advice. What's the process for becoming part of the hatchery? How would people go about learning more? Is there kind of a a process that people follow an application form? Talk a little bit about that. So the best way to get started, especially for entrepreneurs thinking about diving into the food and beverage space is certainly our starting a food business class. It's listed on our website, thehatcherychicago.org under the events. We run it monthly. So if they're missing this month, there's going to be one next month, but that's a really great way to start. It's a two hour session where we cover everything from the industry landscape, trends, choosing the right business entity, branding introductions, and then going through all of the production and certification components. So it's a great entry point from there. There is it, is it free? It's not free. It's free to West side residents. It is $40 to non-residents. Okay. Um, So very approachable. They also receive an email the day after with a lot of sort of information in terms of check sheets. They get a whole rundown with hyperlinks on where to register and how they get the deck. So there's a lot of heavy information there, but the presentation itself is very fun. It's very interactive. It's very interesting. It just kind of takes you through the world of food and beverage and where we're coming from and where we're going. So we love those classes and we usually have a very good turnout. We get anywhere from 30 to 50 entrepreneurs joining that session every month. Wow. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. We get to hear so many new ideas. So it's fun for us too, because it also allows us to think about where new entrepreneurs are moving towards because I always think entrepreneurs in this space, especially early stage entrepreneurs, sit in this middle point of they they themselves are consumers who saw a gap in the market mm-hmm. and are now trying to solve it as entrepreneurs. And that right. puts them in a very unique position. And we're also able to track a lot of trends utilizing that information and data along with big data from some partners like IRI and Mintel uh, that we work with. So okay. that's a great starting point. And then we do have an application for our Sprout program as 
well as blue membership that's all on our website. And then for those looking for production space, there is an application and then our team will connect with you, talk through your needs, make sure that it's the right fit for you. And then anyone who wants to get involved on the other side of things, whether it's they want to give back, they want to teach a class, they want to do a coaching session. We also have a section on our website for for partners who'd like to just be more involved and, and support our community here. How many companies typically at any one time are part of the hatchery? We currently have a hundred companies producing on site. So quite a few. And then within the overall organization, we support about 200 food and beverage entrepreneurs. That's incredible. Good for you. Thank you. How long do companies tend to stay part of the hatchery before they either decide this is just not going to work or it's time to find my own space? Yeah, we're still tracking that. So we're in the early days with our facility. We were open a year before the pandemic hit. So a lot of what we're tracking is is really new. But the good news is we've had a lot of success stories already. We've had entrepreneurs in as little as six months be able to move, graduate out and go to a co-manufacturing facility. Uh, Roughly, we're anticipating it's about one to four years for a company to really grow out of our space. And that those are the ideal numbers. So after four years, that's when we really want to reevaluate whether or not the company is growing at a a good rate and if it's time for them to move out of our facility and into either their own space, a larger space, a co-manufacturer. We've had a lot of entrepreneurs end up building out their own brick and mortar facilities, which is fantastic. But that's our goal. We, we, as much as we'd love to keep everybody here under one roof, we want these businesses to grow. If they're not growing, we're not growing. So we want to see them grow. We want to see them create jobs. We want to see them hiring from the community and then give those opportunities to earlier stage entrepreneurs so that they can access the space as well. Well, you perfectly segue into all of my next questions. You're genius at that, Natalie. Um, (laughs) I was going to ask you next about some of the success stories. So, and you, you dropped the breadcrumbs there. So I just want to pick up on them and have you share with listeners some of the successes that you've had. Sure. So a few that come to mind, uh, Taylor's Tacos, an incredible brand of, uh, it's a taco business that actually just opened up their space called Tailored, where they host private events, um, two, two women owned business, and they're doing incredible things. They've really just been hustling, getting the brand name out there, but they're Tacos are also incredibly delicious. Their menu is so well thought out and there's a lot of passion that goes into the food. They started at the hatchery. They actually won one of our pitch contests and they moved into a private kitchen about three years ago. And since then they've graduated out. They keep very closely in touch with us. They still use their kitchen here at the hatchery as well, but their growth has been incredible to watch. There's also Lil Bucks. So Emily Griffith from Lil Bucks, she started with our starting a food business class before a facility was even built. She moved into the shared kitchen. Then she went to a private kitchen and now she's available nationwide. She's using a co-manufacturer. Her business has grown so rapidly. That's been wonderful to watch. Uh, And there are many others as well. So even, you know, small wins are big wins for us. So we just love seeing entrepreneurs grow. We love seeing them hiring as well. So every time a new job is placed, it's so important. 
we really set out a goal of 900 jobs to be created within the first five years of opening the hatchery and we are on track. So that is so exciting to see. Yeah. You know, that's, um, that's the first time I've heard an incubator actually talk about that as a goal. I mean, it might be kind of a secondary goal, but it, that's, I think that's unique that, that you put that stake in the ground and, and talk about it. Yeah, especially these days, it's the workforce is quite a challenge these days. And we've heard it from so many restaurants, from consumer packaged goods, manufactured brands. I think everybody's going through the same thing. There's, we're in an interesting time right now where there is not a lot of help out there, where sometimes there is a disconnect. And we know there are job seekers out there that want these opportunities. Some of them might not even be aware of what's out there and what opportunities there are. So it is so essential, you know, without a strong team, you're not able to grow very, very much. And we want to make sure that we're providing that support. So we have our workforce development team that provides job readiness training. They'll do the serve safe certifications. They'll help these job seekers with resumes and cover letters, but then they'll also very thoughtfully place those job seekers with roles that the entrepreneurs have and try to match them both in terms of work goals, personality traits, interests, passions. And that's really the way to create this sustainable and maintain sustainable growth for these businesses is having a strong team. Yeah. Well, it occurs to me that the food service industry in general maybe has gotten kind of a bad rap, mostly because people think of it as busing tables in restaurants or being a server and, you know, working 30, 40, 50 hours a week, but not getting any benefits, (laughs) you know, and, and not very nice conditions. And yet some of those people probably have some really valuable experience if they only knew could actually take that experience and really help uh, a small food and beverage company and have a, a pretty rewarding career as a result of it. Yeah. And I I think what's interesting is within food service, it's not that the pandemic changed things per se. It really just amplified what was already going on. So we knew that margins are very tight. Benefits aren't there. Hours can be tedious. I think a lot of restaurant groups have done a phenomenal job at turning things around. Chicago has some incredible restaurant groups, both Boca Group, Hog Salt, One-Off, they all spent a lot of time right now adjusting their business models to be able to make sure that those who are seeking careers in food service feel valued. And so whether that's the hourly rates or the salaries or the benefits or additional tipping, whatever is going into it, it, it's great to see that change because it it did have to happen. And Yes, there are so many. One thing that we are trying to work on now is developing a training program around manufacturing and sales. Because again, one thing we've heard is from a lot of job seekers, when they hear food and beverage, the first thing they think of is restaurants. Yep, absolutely. that's not always uh, what's out there. We know that, but it's also not ideal, you know, for maybe there's childcare that has to be taken into account. Maybe there's uh, family members they're taking care of. Maybe the commute doesn't work. 
but there's so many other opportunities and pathways in this industry. It's such an incredible industry. So we want to do our best to try to introduce these other career pathways. Yeah. Oh, good for you. How talk a little bit about how the hatchery in your mind fits within the rest of the startup ecosystem in Chicago or Illinois, or, or even generally the Midwest. I mean, Building an ecosystem is no easy thing and certainly isn't in, uh, I think, in Illinois or, or Chicago or even the Midwest. It's, it's, it's been more difficult for us here than it has, it seems, in Silicon Valley or maybe Boston. So talk about the hatchery's role as part of building that ecosystem. Well, we play a, a very big role in trying to open up resources and opportunities to other communities and recognizing that downtown Chicago exists, but there's so much more to Chicago than just a couple of neighborhoods. It is such a vibrant city with so many talented individuals and incredible resources out there. And so we just want to spread the wealth and we want to make sure that we're investing time and energy in recognizing women-owned businesses, BIPOC-owned businesses, that is where innovation happens. That's where change happens. The more diversity we have in thought, in people, in products, the more we can do to solve a lot of the challenges in this industry and open up our eyes to so many great flavors and nutritious foods and better for you goods. And that's really what we wanna do. One of the other ways that we try to play a role in the ecosystem here is working with others, working with accelerators, working with investors, working with the city. Um, it's only when we all work together that we can start to move the needle a little bit. So even our partners, the big CPG brands, um, other resources out there, the law firms, the flavor companies, the ingredient companies, we all play a role. So we want to make sure that we are a connector as much as possible. Um, and then we also love to share our learnings with other cities. We launched our Kitchen Incubator Collective during the pandemic. We have about 22 members and they are all other shared kitchens, commercial kitchens or incubators around the country where we now meet monthly and we share best practices, exchange resources, have great conversations and support each other because a lot of our brands will try to eventually launch in those yes. markets. Yes. So that's something that we're constantly building out and trying to improve upon as well. Yeah. So it, you kind of alluded to that earlier that people have asked, you know, would you consider franchising the hatchery? It, does the hatchery in a different form exist in most other cities? Or yeah, there are amazing incubators and shared kitchens. There's some incredible facilities and programs out there. We are one of the largest in terms of the facility itself. So it is quite a large space and we host a lot of um, government organizations and other incubators who visit Chicago. And they're always very um, amazed by the, the size of the facility because it is quite a large space. But there are some great programs out there. That doesn't mean they're isn't room for more. I think there can always be more. Even here in Chicago, it's it's great that they're they're setting up some support on the south side as well, because it can be tough if if 
if an entrepreneur is commuting an hour, two hours just to get to a shared kitchen space, that eats into the time for them to be able to build their business. So the more of those types of resources there are in different neighborhoods, the better. And we're always happy to help. We've had many reach out to us who are trying to launch similar concepts, and we're always happy to share our learnings. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I was just talking with the head of one of the entrepreneurship programs at one of the uh, local universities here in the Northwest side of Chicago, Northwest suburbs. And we were talking about how difficult it is for entrepreneurs to get downtown to, you know, to the hatchery to 1871 to do whatever the different wonderful programs that there are. Um, It's really difficult because of jobs and, family commitments and the price of gas now. Oh yeah. Um, you know, there's really not very much out in the f- farther burbs, uh, or even between here in Milwaukee. And so I'm, you know, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to help try to do that or somebody who has an idea so that I can help start that because I, I think yeah. there's a real need out here. I agree. I think there's always room for more and more support for entrepreneurs we would love to see what we can do to help as well. But in the meantime, from a programming standpoint, one thing we're working on is offering hybrid programming. We know there's nothing like in-person, but we also recognize there are individuals who want to access those sessions and maybe can't because of the commute or the time, whatever it might be. So we're trying to do more hybrid programming where we would offer in-person classes, but they can also be streamed or recorded. So others who want to view the information would be able to access it. Yeah. I I think that's great. In fact, I was going to ask you about your, your classes and who instructs them and, and how you set your curriculum up, but it sounds like that's actually still uh, evolving maybe as part of the pandemic, but just to meet the needs of, of, uh, the community that's out there. It's always evolving. (laughs) It's always, we try to refine things further. We're lucky to have incredible partners who teach a lot of our classes. We're not the experts in everything, but we've been able to connect with really talented experts who can are thrilled to share their knowledge to support entrepreneurs, but it's constantly evolving. We actually just did a brand new class. It's a two-part series that we did. The first part of the series was last Thursday and it's on meaningful mentorships. So it was a brand new class. Um, We constructed it with Laura Harbinger and what we did was focus in on how to connect with a potential advisor, with a mentor, with a support system, and some of the tips and tricks on how to identify who could be a good mentor, how to keep them engaged, how to keep them in your network. And it was a great, it was our first back to in-person session. It was a fantastic turnout. We had a great discussion with our members and it was really fun to be able to go over that kind of information. And so we're always exploring other gaps where there can be more light shed on various topics. And yes, it's, we're constantly trying to build out our programming. Well, there certainly is a lot that entrepreneurs need to know. I think that's one thing you'll consistently hear from even the most successful entrepreneurs is, oh my goodness, I had no idea how much I needed to know something about, even if it was enough to know I needed to hire or find someone else to help me do it. Right. 
Yeah. It's sometimes you don't even know the questions to ask. It just kind of, as you learn and experience, you start discovering new things. So if we can help some of these entrepreneurs ask these questions up front or really peel back the curtain to the industry and showcase what's going on in the inner workings, that might help accelerate the learning a little bit and get them to where they need to be faster. Yeah. Talk a little bit about the longer term goals for the hatchery. What do you and the team want it to look like in say three years or or so? We would love to see a thriving community of diverse, successful entrepreneurs. We want to see continued graduation out of the hatchery and into new spaces, working with co-manufacturers. We'd love to have those entrepreneurs that we've worked with out there and then bring them back in as mentors themselves and and have them share their learnings with the, the new stage of entrepreneurs that will be coming and working with us. We are also working on a phase two of the hatchery. We have some additional land behind our current facility, and we've been spending time with our entrepreneurs to understand their needs needs, and what a next step might look like. So we're looking at possibly a pilot plant, an, an extension of our space so that we can give entrepreneurs even more room to grow. And then we want to see the West Side thriving as well. We would love to be able to further support West Side residents with jobs, with opportunities, um, with success stories, and do everything we can to support the local community that has welcomed us. Yeah. If entrepreneurs are thinking about incubators, and if they're not, a lot of them should be, but how do they find the right one? What kind of questions should entrepreneurs ask, do you think, before finding the right fit for them? I think it's always important to speak to an entrepreneur who's been in that program and learn from them. There's a lot of information out there, and I think there's no shortage of advice, but you don't have to take all the advice. (laughs) This is something we spoke about in our session last week is it's another challenge that entrepreneurs face. There's unlimited information out there, and everybody you speak to will have some piece of advice and a lot of those uh, pieces of advice will not match up. So it's important to <laughs> yes. really take that time to, to know, okay, is this, is this right for me? And there are accelerator programs that will reach out to entrepreneurs as well. And one a piece of advice I always say is first and foremost, ask you're interviewing the incubator as much as they're interviewing you. So you shouldn't see it as just, okay, what are they expecting of it's me? Not, in, in other words, it's not a pitch competition. No, this, no. This is really more like, like a job interview, a modern job interview should be where yeah. you're That's looking for the it. fit. Yes. Yeah. You should be asking questions. You should be, and you should understand what are my goals and is this going to help me reach my goals? Because not every incubator is the same. Not every accelerator is the same. You also want to understand the fine print. Uh, We certainly, we don't take any kind of equity, but there are incubators and accelerators out there that might. And so you want to know all of the fine print. 
And then talk to an entrepreneur who's been in the program, ask them questions, learn about their experience, see if it's the right fit. And, you know, with, with our incubator and with others, you can always try it. If you don't like it, you're not stuck. (laughs) So you should always know, again, trust your gut. If it doesn't feel right, you can walk away and see what else is out there, but really spend the time upfront to understand what you're getting into, what they're offering you and making sure it's the right type of environment. Yeah. Well, you've alluded to this before about some of the initial introductory resources that the hatchery has, but I want to give you a chance before we wrap up to let people know again, how to find out more information about the hatchery and uh, to get started with, with learning and, and possibly connecting and being part of the hatchery. So the best way to get started, check out our website, thehatcherychicago.org. Subscribe to our newsletter. We have a lot of great information, updates, and industry trends that we share. We also have our starting a food business class. So if you are thinking about getting started and you're not quite sure how, or you just got started, it's a really good way to just learn about the industry landscape. And then whether you're a successful entrepreneur that wants to be connected to the community here, whether you're just starting out or you're somebody that wants to provide resources, fill out the application. We've got so many opportunities to connect with our community here. Um, And yeah, we would just love follow us on social media, check out some of the events that are happening. We have monthly networking events, a series of classes every month. So we hope to see people there. And if we haven't answered a question or there's still uncertainty, we have an inquiry form on our website, or you can always email info at thehatcherychicago.org. Excellent. Natalie, thanks so much for being on the show this week. I really enjoyed having you and learning more about the hatchery. Thank you, Doris. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you again. To my special guest this week, Natalie Schmulek, who is the Chief Incubation and Strategy Officer at the Hatchery. Well, she's actually at ICNC as well, but today we focused on the Hatchery. A lot of interesting information about uh, a pretty interesting and um, inspiring program. So thanks as well to all my listeners. I appreciate you being out there. You're the reason I do this. And wanted to let you know, you can find helpful information and resources on my consulting website, which is globalocityservices.com, as well as I finally took the plunge to create a radio show specific website called the savvyentrepreneur.org. And you'll increasingly find free resources like blogs, tools, podcasts, and, and other things on that website as I move content over. Now, my door is always open for comments, questions, or suggestions, or just to shoot the breeze. You want to be a guest, you know somebody who would be a great guest. Email me at dnagel, N-A-G-E-L, at thesavvyentrepreneur.org. I promise you'll always get a response back from me. Now, be sure to join me again next Saturday at 11 a.m. Central, noon Eastern. But until then, I'm Doris Nagel, wishing you happy entrepreneurship.